Welcome to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Well, hey, we are wrapping up the book of Galatians uh, today, our series. What an incredible series it's been. Have you guys enjoyed the book of Galatians and the study? If maybe you missed a week, you can go back, you can check out the podcast or go to our YouTube. And today we have a special treat. We have three guest speakers that'll be speaking. They're right up here behind me. And come on, you could do better than that. There we go. Um, you know, one of, one of our, you know, I think, again, our responsibilities uh, as pastors is to raise up uh, the next uh, generation to raise up the gifts that are in people's lives. And so each of the individuals that are on this stage represent uh, individuals that have the gift of God on their lives to preach and teach. This is not something that we're trying out in them today to see if they have. They have it. It is on them. And so today is just about them getting to operate in that gift. And so throughout the year, we take different Sundays to allow speakers to just bring a message to you. Each of these individuals have been praying uh, and fasting and preparing for over a month now to bring today's word as we wrap up this series. And today, each of them, I gave them a topic. Last week, we read from the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. And I'll read it to you again, but it says this as we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there are no law. And so what I asked them to do is I asked each one of them to take one of those things listed there and to just flesh that out for us. And so when you get the fruit of the Spirit, you get all of these things. But how many of you know you still got to kind of work those things out in your life? You may have the capacity for joy in your life, but you need to work out joy in your life. You need to grow in joy. And so what they're going to do is they're going to come up. They've each picked one of these topics, and uh, they're going to teach you how to grow in that area. And uh, so I am so excited about that. And again, please, this is not the JV team. This is the team for today. So I hope you will lean in. I hope you will get your Bible out, get your pen out, and you will receive the Word of God from each of these guest speakers. Would you give them a hand clap real quick? Well, good morning, everybody. I just want to take a quick minute to honor Pastor Sean and Pastor Jennifer. On behalf of all three of us, myself and Valerie and Chris, thank you. Thank you for believing in us and empowering us. We're grateful for this opportunity, and we just love you. All right, so today I want to share with you guys how to grow in joy. Anyone need a little joy in their life? Amen. Come on. All right, so let me flesh that out for you. Have you ever been driving down the road and something off to the side catches your attention and you're looking at it and you're looking at it and then like all of a sudden, here goes your car right where your eyes are looking. Where, where your eyes are, you will go. You know, one of the first things they teach a race car driver is to never look at the wall. So if they focus on that wall, they're going to experience a crash. And I think that life, it works that way too. If we focus on our stress, 
I mean, if we focus on our debt, we're going to experience stress. And if we focus on the people that hurt us, we're going to experience bitterness. If we focus on our what ifs, what if my husband leaves me? What if I don't get that promotion? Then we're going to experience anxiety. And if we focus on our should haves, we're going to experience depressing thoughts. And so what you focus on, it matters because it's going to determine the direction of your life. And just like those negative things, I believe that if we focus on the right things, that we can experience joy. That in life's guaranteed trials and troubles, in the middle of it all, we can have joy. But we have to fix our focus. Hebrews 12.2, it says we look away from the natural realm. We're not looking at our circumstance. We're not looking at what we're going through. And we focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example, Jesus's example is this, because his heart was focused, focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. And so Jesus himself, He's taught us that joy is a focus before it's a feeling. You know, we can't always control our feelings, but we can control our focus. And so today, if you want to grow in joy, I believe that the first thing you need to focus on is the good. You know, Paul, he wrote the book of Philippians from a jail cell and during that time, Roman prisons were most often just a holding place for people that were about to be executed. And so here's Paul. He has every reason not to have joy. You know, he's possibly about to die. He's just been severely beaten, thrown in jail. But in that cell, he wrote the book of Philippians. And it's what we know today as the book of joy. And he says this in Philippians 4. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, the things to praise, not things to curse. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. And so here's Paul. He's sharing this revelation of joy. That in the middle of the unknown, in the middle of his pain and his suffering, he found that if he focused on the good, that he could have joy. And so practically, how do you do that? Well, I believe that you practice gratitude I remember in a very hard season of my life, I made myself every single day, I would just thank God. I would take five minutes, predetermine, I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm just going to praise him. I'm just going to thank him. And so I'd go outside, I'd put my AirPods in and turn on my music, and I'd just start walking and just thanking God. And you know, one of the best things that I found in that season about directing my gratitude towards God was that I didn't always have to find the good in my situation. I could just focus on his nature, thank him for his character, thank you God for your mercy, thank you God for your grace. 
Gratitude will ground you in your hardest season. The second thing I believe that you need to focus on to live a life of joy is your choices. Has anyone ever had someone come to them and say, well, honey, just choose joy. Like, you just totaled your car and here comes Little Miss Sunshine and she's like, everything is fine. Just choose joy. And you're like, what? I think people mean well when they say that, but here's my problem. When you say choose, that means that you've got two or more things in front of you and you're going to pick one and disregard the rest. You're going to pick the one that's the best, that's going to give you the best experience. And so you don't need to choose joy. It's not joy or grief. It's not joy or sorrow. It's not joy or mourning. You don't have to and you don't need to disregard what you're going through. You can have joy in the middle of it. You can be grieving and still have joy. Second Corinthians 6.10, it says our hearts ache, but we always, we always have joy. And so joy is not a choice, but it's the result of our choices. And I would say that there's multiple choices that you can make to live a life of joy, but I'm going to share two with you that I think helped me the most. And so the first choice I believe you can make to live a life of joy is to find a friend. Join a small group. We have Group Connect today right after service. Shameless plug. Find a therapist. Like, whatever you do, just have someone to share your life with. We were made for community. Proverbs 27.9 says, Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. The second choice I believe you can make to live a life of joy is to read your Bible. It's not just this book of rules and history stories with the longest genealogies ever, but it's actually full of hope. Like Psalm 119, 162, it says, your promises are the source of my bubbling joy. The revelation of your word thrills me like one who has discovered hidden treasure. And so this book, it's full of God's promises. And if you open it up, if you meditate on it, day and night, your joy, it's going to be so full that it bubbles over. The third most important thing that you can focus on to live a life of joy is your source. The source. You got to set your eyes on Jesus. If I could describe to you how people perceived me walking through the hardest season of my life, if you've ever seen a picture of an iceberg, you know that the part that you see, it's not really all that's there and it still looks big and it looks scary and it can do a lot of damage, in fact but it's really just 10% of what's there. And so when people looked at me, they saw a girl that was just going through a breakup. But really, I was a girl that was living a life of abuse in every way. And, you know, despite that, 
people would still come to me and they would say, Alyssa, how do you keep going? How do you do it? How do you keep showing up day after day? And you know, I quickly found that it wasn't a rhetorical question that people were asking me because even strangers, they would sit there until I gave them an answer. And so I would just look at them and I would say, I know that this might sound cliche to you or religious to you, but I set my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I wake up. I wake up every day and I decide to focus on the good. I pray with gratitude. I thank God for what he's already done. I thank God for who he is. And I thank God for my promise of eternal glory. I decide to focus on my choices. I surround myself with good community and I open my Bible. And I decide every day to focus on my source. I set my eyes on Jesus. I just sit in his presence. For hours, I just sit there. Psalm 1611, it says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And so today, as I stand here, I can tell you that in the hardest season of my life, walking through abuse, some days I didn't even know if I was going to live. But I can tell you, I know that I know that I know that the joy of the Lord was my strength. And I believe that if you decide to focus on what is good, if you live a life of gratitude, if you focus on your choices, you surround yourself with good friends, and you open your Bible, and if you focus on your source, if you sit in the presence of God, then when you're walking through the hardest season of your life, and someone comes to you and they say, how do you do it? How how are you still going? You can look at them and you can say, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10. Well, now I'm following Steph Curry. <laughs> no, awesome word, Alyssa. Hey, anyone in here ever feel like it's never your turn? Okay, I'll ask somebody over here. Anybody ever feel like it's never your turn? No, seriously. Like all of your friends are getting promoted, they're getting engaged, they're getting married, they're having children, and you're like sitting in this corner wondering if God, if like God even remembers your name. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're excited for them. We're celebrating for them, right? But we're praying for the same exact things to the point where like we feel like we're not getting through or we feel like this picture I'm going to ask the production team to put up for. See that right there? See that? That's me. You feel like you're yelling representative every time you're praying because you feel like nobody hears you. It's like select one for account balance, select two for billing. Like, no, I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. But you know, and that's me every single day sometimes because we feel like God is putting us on hold. And I despise being left on hold. Like just look, two things, don't put me on hold and if I text you, don't leave me on read. I know you saw me. <laughs> and if we're completely honest, nobody here likes to wait. And unfortunately the world conditioned us to think that we don't have to. 
Phrases like same day shipping, right? No wait time. Those sound far more attractive than five to 10 business days or Mr. Han, your table will be ready in 30 minutes. And the reality is for all of us, we have been going to God and God has some promises for us and we're waiting to get to this table for him to sit us at, right? Our prayers are the thing that have made the reservation that got us to the restaurant, but now we're standing at the hostess table waiting to be sat down. And you know, when I looked up the word uh, patience in Greek, it brought up macrothumia, and it means constancy, forbearance, perseverance. And I laughed. I said, you know what? It figures that God would have a sense of humor and you would put the word patience with macro because if you work out in here and you know what it's like to count macros, it is horrible. You feel as if you're losing something, you're not gaining, and you have to sacrifice and see nothing in return. But you know what I like about the, what I like about the Bible? In the Amplified Version, it translates the passage of patience in Galatians as this. It's not as the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. And that is the solution that God has for us through his word. It's, it's the thing that will regulate how quick and how soon we receive the promises of God by operating in a realm of patience and posture that allows us to keep moving where we believe him for, about, for, for what's to happen. See, because the key is not the time that it takes. It's the approach that we have. So how do we do that? Well, I believe that there's one person in the Bible who can really teach us about patience, and his name is Joseph. Because Joseph had a clear vision of what God was going to do with his life, but the path to get there wasn't as clear as the dream. In Genesis chapter 37, we see that it says, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles gathered around mine and bowed low before mine. Now I don't have time to go into the whole story, so I'll give you the spoiler. What happens is jo Joseph has two dreams. God shows him that he's going to take him to a place of power, of prestige, and provision. Now, while God showed him the dream, the avenue to get there for Joseph wasn't see the dream, live the dream, or like in that movie, Miss Congeniality, see the crown, be the crown. No, he, it actually took him 13 years. And there was a process that went like this. Pit, Potiphar's house, prison, palace. And if we're really honest with ourselves today, we feel more like life is pit and prison because everything that happens on the inside of us while we're waiting gives us this perception that the palace isn't a reality or it's never gonna come. But the beauty in Joseph was that he was able to see God in every situation even when it seemed like God wasn't there. And that's key for us because it lets us know that while we're waiting, God is working behind the scenes doing something amazing that we could never think or imagine. And in the process, God gave Joseph favor. And that favor was evident to everybody that he came in contact with. So this can encourage us today that, to know that while you are waiting, God favors you. While you're practicing patience, God is working on favoring you. He's prepping and strategically handcrafting a promise for you. And it's paving the way for favor to overflow your life in a way that you could have never thought it would. So we have to remember that 
your life won't end in a prison of waiting. And I know what you're thinking. Chris, I've been single for eight years. I've been working at this job for 15 years and been getting passed up. We've been trying to have a baby since we got married. And I understand how it feels to be in those situations, but I do believe that there are three things that we can do in order to help us get through the waiting process and get to where God wants us to be faster. So if you're a note taker, write these down. And if you're not a note taker, write this down. Number one is this. We should serve faithfully in the season that we're in. In every situation Joseph found himself, he made himself available, and he did it with a level of excellence and integrity. He didn't compromise who he was. Genesis 39, he was put in charge of Potiphar's house, and he did such a good job that the Bible says Potiphar never had to worry about what was going on in the house except what he was going to eat every single day. Genesis chapter 40, Joseph gets put in prison, undeserved by the way, but gets put in charge and, and he just, he changed the game. The reoccurring trend for Joseph though was this, every situation prepared him for the next step that was coming for his life. So we can do the same way. How do we do that? Well, shameless plug number two, small group connect is today. You too can join a group. Unlock your potential by finding a tribe of people that will help you figure out what your passion is. Then maybe you finally decide to join the dream team. Serve, get involved. Joseph made an impact everywhere he was and you can make an impact right where you are no matter who you are or what you're doing or where you come from. Now the second thing I believe we can do is this. While waiting for yours, help someone get theirs. Now, I know that's uncomfortable because as human beings, we are wired to get ours first. But I love what Hebrews 6 and 10 says in the Message Bible. It says this, God doesn't miss anything. He knows perfectly well all the love you've shown him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. And now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep at it till the finish. Don't drag your feet, but watch this one. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. While Joseph was in prison, he helped the king's cupbearer get his life back. And while that seemed like it went unnoticed, because it did for two years, that gesture ultimately put him in the place to go before Pharaoh, which put Pharaoh in the position to put Joseph into the promise. So where you are right now, there is no greater feeling you can have than helping somebody get theirs. You want to know why? Because it tells God, it's not about me, that I'm willing to put myself aside to see somebody succeed. Now, the last thing is this. Number three is don't waste the waiting. Whatever the outcome is, don't grow weary. See, how we act while we wait matters because without the proper posture in the waiting, we'll waste it. God uses this thing called patience to teach us how to wait. And Joseph had patient endurance because he had a promise. And maybe today what you're waiting for is that relationship. Maybe it is the promotion. Maybe you're waiting for your kids to get out the house. Or maybe it's something even deeper than that. Maybe it's the phone call with the, doc, with the results of a loved one or the decision of whether or not your marriage is going to keep going. If we grow weary, we'll wander. And when we wander, things like anxiety, depression, insecurity, and comparison will all step in to try to rob us not only of our peace, but our dream. 
And in the waiting, we can learn one thing. God shows us that he's too good to not believe. And I don't know who this is for this morning, but can I just say this? Your calling isn't canceled. And if you're not dead, God's not done. Psalm 32 and 10 says, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts him. Psalms 33 and 11 says, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. And my favorite, Hebrews 6:19. we have this hope as an anchor of the soul, both firm and steady, a hope that enters in the inner place behind the curtain. So this is what I imagine today, that if we did these three things, if we were to serve faithfully in the season we're in, if we'd help someone get theirs, and if we not waste the waiting, we see that God is creating a beautiful prequel to a story that is called our life. And like many sitting in here today, I might, myself, I'm in a waiting season. I'm waiting for that person to show up. I'm waiting for the opportunity to do more in ministry. But here's the thing that gets me through. Every single week, I get the opportunity to serve on our dream team, and I lead the rally team. And though my, this team that I'm on does more for me than I could ever do for them. You know why? Because when I step in here every single Sunday, my mind isn't focused on why I haven't got there yet. My focus is on the fact that I have a team that's smashing it every single week and I get a chance to pour into them. And when they win, I win. So their success is my success. And I don't have to be driven by the narrative of why don't you have somebody or why are you still doing this? But no, I realize that in that, I can find contentment. And when we find contentment, we find that we're enough because he's enough. So good. Thank you guys. It was amazing. Good morning. Oh, wow. Goodness, there's that clock. Um, in December, just a few weeks before Christmas break, I was sitting in my classroom just staring at my cell phone like staring at it because I was desperate for it to ring. And I thought maybe, you know, if I stared at it long enough, it would ring faster. I was actually waiting for some test results from my doctor. And so when the phone rang, I scooped it up and I ran into the classroom bathroom so that I could take the call in private. As it turns out, the results showed something suspicious and concerning. I was told I was going to have to have a biopsy. And while I didn't love that, I was okay. But then the doctor went on. Mrs. Jones, there's a very high likelihood that this is cancerous. I mean, more than a 50% chance. I could feel my body sliding down toward the floor in that tiny little bathroom, tears pouring out of my face, my heart pounding in my chest, kind of like right now. And I managed to say something really profound like, wow, okay. She went on and said some more things about scheduling the biopsy. Then she hung up the phone and there I was, sitting in the bathroom floor overwhelmed with panic and fear, running through every possible worst-case scenario I could think of. All I could manage to say in the moment was, God, help. God, help. Haven't we all been in moments like this that land us in the corner of the bathroom floor? These impossible situations that threaten to overwhelm us and they disrupt our lives. You know, Jesus said in this life, 
you'll have trouble. He did. He said that. Now, it might not look like a health scare for you. Maybe it's a difficult relationship. Maybe it's something with your job. Maybe it's financial troubles. But we all have hard things. I think we can agree. And those hard things can leave us feeling helpless and confused and afraid. But we have a choice to make when we find ourselves in those moments. It's the same choice that I had to make sitting in the bathroom floor. We can choose to panic or we can choose peace. When we choose panic, we open the door in our lives to so many other things like anxiety and depression and maybe even isolation or maybe even addiction because we're just trying to cope. And these things wreak havoc in our hearts and in our minds. But Jesus says there's a better way. He invites us to choose peace. And this peace is a deep and enduring peace, a settledness of soul. Scripture says, you're going to see in just a minute, that it's perfect peace. I love that so much. You know, if you look at that word peace in the original language, it means to flourish or to be whole. Things that flourish show life. That means when we choose peace, the Holy Spirit actually gives us the capacity to grow, to thrive, to be healthy, even in the most desperate situations. And I have to add right here that that is usually when we look most like Jesus. And people around us will take notice. So how do we do it? How do we choose peace? Well, let's look at Isaiah 26, 3 in the message. It says, or amplified, I'm sorry, you will keep in perfect and constant peace the one whose mind is steadfast. That is committed and focused on you in both inclination and character because he trusts and takes refuge in you with hope and confident expectation. A few things come to mind when I read a passage like this about choosing peace. Number one, choosing peace, we've been hearing it all day already, means choosing to see God. The presence of problems in your life does not mean that God is absent. God promises that he will never be absent. The instant that I whispered his name from the corner of that tiny little bathroom, he went to work on my behalf. I had to choose to see him, to be aware of him, to focus my attention on him. There's a really practical way to do this. You talk to him. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which will exceed anything you can understand. His peace will actually Guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Please know this morning, you have permission to have an honest conversation with God. And he is listening to you when you talk to him. He's always right there. And can I tell you something else? He is big enough to handle whatever it is that is happening to you in the moment. 
Eyes on Jesus. Number two, choosing peace means choosing to believe God. Belief precedes behavior. That means that what you believe should actually be showing up in your life. Right? (laughs) You aren't likely to pray about everything and tell God what you need if you don't actually believe what God says. Colossians 3.1, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Mm. You can know truth and still not apply it to your life. You can know all about the promises of God and still not believe them for yourself. We have to believe God in order to trust him. And can I tell you something else? It's not just a one-time, one-moment thing. It's an everyday, sometimes moment-to-moment decision to believe him. Number three, choosing peace. This one is hard. means choosing to see things from his perspective. That means we replace anxiety with God's truth. Colossians 3 goes on to say, don't shuffle along with your eyes to the ground, absorbed with what's happening right in front of you. Look up. Look up this morning. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That is where the action is. See things from his perspective. That means every time fear or panic try to overwhelm you like it did me, from December all the way to the end of March. You push back with God's truth. I will not be afraid because you will keep me in perfect peace. My mind is focused on you. I trust you. I will not be overwhelmed because my soul, it finds rest in God alone. You will never leave me. You surround me with your presence. Jesus, I have all that I need in you. Hmm. Please understand me this morning. Listen, this is important. I am not suggesting to you that you deny the reality of your circumstances. Cancer is a big deal. Broken marriages, they're a big deal. Financial troubles are a big deal. Loss, tragedy, trauma, it's a big deal. Your pain, I want you to hear me, and your heartache, it matters to God. But what scripture is showing us here is that our perspective matters too. Our perspective matters. When we see things from a human point of view, when we walk in the flesh, like Paul would say, We tend to put parameters and conditions on our peace. If things going my way, then I'm okay. I'll choose peace. If I can guarantee a certain outcome, then I'll choose peace. But peace isn't tied to an outcome and it can't be dependent on our situation. The truth is that peace shows up wherever Jesus is wherever Jesus is invited to have full control. If you could see Jesus standing right in front of you this morning, he would lean in really close 
He would look you in the eyes with love and with kindness. And he would say, I'm giving you a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And this peace that I give, it's a gift that the world cannot give you. Don't be troubled or afraid. Peace is a relationship with a person, with Jesus. In reality, all of these things that we've been talking about today, joy, patience, peace, all of the fruits of the Spirit, they only come through relationship and surrender. You know, we've all been on the bathroom floor. We've all struggled with waiting. We've all felt discouragement instead of joy. We've all been overwhelmed with fear and with loads of questions that can't be answered. It's okay to not be okay, but we don't have to settle for the things of the flesh. Jesus changes everything. That is the power of the gospel. Amen. Can we all close our eyes around the room? I'm gonna pray for us together. I wanna talk to two groups in the room first. If you are sitting in this room and you have never said yes to Jesus, but you're realizing in this moment that you need Him, I wanna invite you to take that next step with Him right now. It's really easy to do. You just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He's God and He will save you. No one's looking around. If that's you, if you're in the room and you say, I want a relationship with Jesus, would you just raise your hand in the air I can see who I'm praying with. I see you. We're all going to pray together and everybody in the room can just repeat this prayer after me. God, I need you. Forgive me. Jesus, save me. Today, I'm choosing to surrender my heart and give you control of my life. Thank you for loving me and saving me and for new life. Amen. Can we celebrate this morning? Can we celebrate that? That is beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, some of you in the room already know Jesus, but you're realizing that these fruits of the Spirit that we're talking about, well, they're kind of missing in your life. And so maybe you want to invite the Holy Spirit to do some work in your heart and your mind today. If that's you, if you need more joy, more patience, more peace, I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. But first, I just want to encourage you and remind you what you've already heard. If you're tired of waiting, God is working and He is for you. He knows what He's doing. If you're in a season where you lack joy, you feel disappointed and discouraged, maybe even a little bitter, God would want to remind you this morning that you're not alone and that He sees you. There is nothing quite like His presence. He is the source of true joy. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with anxiety or fear, if peace seems impossible, God is inviting you to be still, to know that He's God. He is perfectly trustworthy and perfectly faithful in every situation. Do you 
trust him. Let's pray. God, we love you this morning. We are so thankful for your presence and for your kindness. You are matchless, full of strength and power and unfailing love. And right now, in this moment, we surrender every part of our lives to you. Every outcome we commit into your hands, we trust you. Lord, we're casting our cares at your feet, knowing and believing that you care for us. Holy Spirit, we're giving you access to every part of our heart and mind today. Fill us with joy. Help us to have patience. Lord, surround us with your perfect peace. Jesus, be the center of our lives. Displace anxiety, and discouragement, and frustration with more of your presence. And help us to see you more clearly and to love you deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.